Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. You still have a ton of Halloween gear. Yes. Like a metric ton. Well, I mean, it's more of a cubic <laughs> ton than a metric ton. Okay, okay, sure. It's all chocolate, which is weird considering, like, I like chocolate, but I've been specifically eating the fruit mm -hmm. flavors yeah. out. Which leads all the, a lot of chocolate for me, which right. is fantastic. Oh, and, and Trinaya does not like chocolate. Candies, like she, uh, every once in a while. Your child is broken. You know, we've had this discussion. We all like what we like and don't like what we don't no, like. No, she's broken. You gotta, you gotta have her fix. She eats some chocolate. We have okay. mint chocolate chip ice cream. She likes mint chocolate chip ice cream. Okay, so it's. Sugar. It's like the, the amount. I think that mm, okay, I think sure. that when you get to the point where it's like this is chocolate we're eating instead of oh this is garnished with chocolate. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. that's where we. Eat. Okay, fair enough. Hi, folks. <laughs> Welcome to Zompocalypse Now. I'm Dustin. And I'm Tim. And, and flipped my lines on me this well, week. <laughs> you know, why not? I should say sometimes. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm, the, I'm the wacky co-host, but sometimes I should be the professional co-host. There you go. I like this idea. This is a whole new day. This is not going to last. <laughs> no. So um, if you are listening to us on podcast.com, thank you. If you're listening to us on iTunes.com, uh, thank you. If you're listening to us... Um, iTunes.com? No, it's just iTunes. Yeah, it's just iTunes. Um, or, iTunes or Google Play. We are also there. If you're listening to us on Google Play, get your shit together. <laughs> what is wrong with I you? I actually went to the Google Play thing because I wanted to see if I could find a link for it. Mm -hmm. And it looks just like the iTunes interface, except it's Google Play. Right. You know, I so. don't have any of that stuff set up on my phone. I used to. I had an iPod. I still do. He's over there. We used to go to the gym together. But, um... You grew apart? <laughs> well, you know, you can only have it, like, on one computer. And so, my computer fried. Mm. And so, I guess I lost my... Or, like, I figured out what my login was, but all of my music was gone, and I had since gotten rid of all of those CDs. Oh, And so, oh, every no. time I would plug it in, it would say, hey, do you want to update your mm -hmm. iPod? Right. And if you update, if I were to update it, it would have erased all my music. So I had to stop updating it, which means I couldn't listen to any of the podcasts that I wanted. Well, I could, like, listen, you know, update the podcast and sure. stuff like that. You know, I found a workaround, but after a while, it was just... And then, like, I keep hearing that your phone's, like, super smart. There, Yes, there's a thing called a smartphone. Uh, yeah. And so that you can, like... they're made of candy and unicorns. You can, like, Rainbow. make all those... You can make your phone play your music. It's, it's a thing, yes. And I've heard this for, like, four or five years, and I've <laughs> had, in that time, probably three different phones, where I was like, I should probably set this phone up to yeah, be my music probably. player, or my uh, my podcast player, and mm -hmm. I just don't. Although I did go to the library, and I got the Libby app this week. Yeah. That's cool. That, the Libby app, is like... Is like Audible, mm -hmm. except free from your library. Right, yeah. So you can borrow a book, for, an audio book from your library instead of downloading it for paying on Audible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I 
I'm liking so far. Cool. Yeah, I actually, um, actually thought about doing that because I go through so many audiobooks mm-hmm. because of work, uh, driving around in the car all day. Um, and I've gone to the point right now I'm recycling all my audiobooks because I oh. have many, many audiobooks because I'm an audible, audible customer. So, so yeah. I, I will fight for as long as possible to spend spending any money on things. Oh, sure, I understand. Like, I st- like when Hulu went, like, we're going to be more of a pay situation. I was like, well, fuck you, Hulu. You just, <laughs> lost, you just lost my views. <laughs> oh, I just like the range of Audible. Anyway, this yeah. is not a commercial for Audible. If or you, or literally the app. Or any of these other things. Um, <laughs> this is Zompocalypse Now. This is our show. <laughs> I'm but, sorry. I feel like I, I knocked us off the rails by doing the intro. <laughs> this is this is true. Yeah. The the world was completely thrown out of whack there. So if you are listening to us on all these various places, thank you so much. If you're still finding us on SciFiForMe.com, we are one of the three continuing original programs on SciFiForMe.com. So we'll yeah. make sure that we continue to promote the fact that um, uh, Tribble Bites and uh, Salacious Crumbs mm. are our two original video programs. We're the last podcast we standing. We are the last podcast standing. Um, yeah, maybe there'll be more come, coming out in the future. Yeah, maybe. But uh, currently it's us. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page mm-hmm. now. Uh, Zompocalypse Now Podcast is what you can type in. In fact, if you just type in Zompoc, I'm pretty sure we'll come we'll up. We'll pop up. We're probably right the, there at the top. You know, I think we might have actually... Uh, Coined that phrase, Zompocalypse. I'm not sure, but it certainly is a word that makes it easy to find. There just aren't that many of of Mm -hmm. things around with those words. Obviously, we cover The Walking Dead. If this is the first time you've been listening to us, welcome. And this is We Cover The Walking Dead and other horror-themed shows, uh, a varying degree of horror. We did Teen Wolf, Mm -hmm. we did Preacher. Um, Was it Summer of Night? Dead Summer. Dead 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 of Summer. Uh, Summer of Night is a, dance, uh, is a great Dan Simmons book, by the yeah. way. Um, and I still, like, if you could find Dead of Summer somewhere, oh, go watch it. And I feel bad. I, I, I'm disappointed they didn't get a second season, because I would have uh, loved to see what they did with the second season. Nah, well, I probably would have just anthologized. Oh, well, like, I know, but you know, still. It was, it was such, an, such an 80s horror... horror oh, and you know, it's so funny. Like, every once in a while, we will bring up Dead of Summer to somebody, <laughs> and they'll look at us like we're crazy because we're both like, it was amazing. Like they're like, five people that show, show was on ABC Family. <laughs> and we're like, no, but you don't understand. <sighs> uh, it was everything that a 1980s horror fan loves mm-hmm. uh, with budget. It actually had money and a great mm-hmm. cast. Anyway, so we are talking about The Walking Dead Season 8. Uh, this is episode four, I think, of this season. I think it's episode four. Sure. I think the name of it is Some Guy. So, or something like that. Anyway, this is a very problematic episode. There were For a lot. A multiple, a multitude of reasons. There were a lot of things wrong here. And, you know, I always, like, I will read the reviews. Like, I'll read io9's review and sure. I'll read AV Club's review mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, like, I feel it's really it's really weird because, like, we will sit there and just, like, oh, this episode was terrible. And then I'll go read IO9 and it's like, this was the best episode of, of, of The Walking Dead since the last best episode of The Walking Dead. So you're saying we're cynical and yeah, negative and pessimistic and yeah. Yeah, deeply, that, deeply, yeah. deeply broken Destroyed. individuals. Yeah. <laughs> we're right, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Oh. What do we want to talk about first? Well, there's two stories happening here this week. One is the king, mm. and one is Carol. 
Mm. And I think we kind of have to talk about, they, they do dovetail, so we might as well start talking about the king. Right. Because so, yeah. Basically, the Carol story is all, you know, diehard with zombies. Yeah. And as, as Carol's stories <laughs> tend to end up being. Which is all kinds of awesome, by the way. Yeah. Just, Anytime you have Carol do Die Hard with Zombies, I am on board. Right. The King's story, on the other hand... Is bad. It's Okay, so the problem with the King's story is not that it's inherently bad. Uh, there's some things here that, that are actually... So at the end of, end of last episode, um, they had come to this compound, they'd killed all of the right. saviors. Right, and there. they'd been so excited, the Ezekiel and his team had been so excited because they thought that they had like, basically gotten the drop on all these people. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the episode, they there's the reveal that the place that Rick and Daryl and his team had been storming to get all the guns, uh-oh, right. those guns had been moved with no, with, with, like, within a day's notice. And so they are all actually at the place that Ezekiel and his team are attacking that they thought was going to be the easier target. Right. And... Somebody pulls out one of those big crazy things and like blows everyone, shoots all the entire kingdom army. The entire kingdom army gets shot in the whole face and head and torso. And actually, the, mainly torsos. The last thing we see basically at the end of the episode is the members of the kingdom army leaping to block to, to save the king, right? To save Ezekiel. And Ezekiel screams no when they do it because he realizes mm-hmm. these people are sacrificing themselves for him. So that's where we leave off, and we pick up where basically everybody's dead. Yeah. And it is. We get a scene that shows all oh, the people saying goodbye to their little families, and, and we're looking at this going, "Well, you're dead. Well, you're dead, and you're dead." Well, this is, and this was like they start off with this because at first you're like, "Oh, well, maybe like some people survived. It's possible that some people right. survived this first round." But then they start showing all the people with their families, and they're like, "Oh no, yeah, and none of these people lived." It's like you know, son hold, hung against father, and you know. Like, a woman with her son, and he gives her little flowers, and she puts it in her in her armor. And the one legged bow lady. Yeah, the one legged bow lady. Uh, who's a mom? Who's a mother? And now we know more. And she, her husband is one of the soldiers who goes out. And and Tim was like, "Oh no!" And I'm like, "No, she'll be fine. She's got a bow. Yeah, she's, she's got a bit <laughs> she'll learn to love again." But yeah, it's like we're looking at all these people going, "Yeah, they're just this. All these people are dead." Yeah. And then it cuts to Ezekiel crawling out from underneath a pile of dead bodies, and yes, everyone is dead. Now, a number of things happen at this point where we can be completely nitpicky. And the urge is there because, of course, we saw last episode when the zombies were, or two episodes ago, mm-hmm. uh, ago now, where the zombies were killed and then they immediately came back to life and killed the, the right. saviors and the poor, you know, the saved woman leader who. You know, died stupid because she goes, oh, they never, they were never trying to break it. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, the monster's inside the house. And, you know, it. we could nitpick this. But it's a pretty dramatic scene where you look oh, just to feel the dead bodies. Yeah. And he's crawling through them and he's wounded. He's been shot in the leg. Mm-hmm. And this is not a big surprise. 50 caliber rounds go through people. Right. Uh, he was actually quite lucky that he only had a leg wound. But there is, you know, it's 
he's looking at this, all these people that believed in him and trusted him. And we get a scene where he's giving another one of those inspirational speeches, mm -hmm. which usually makes Dustin go, oh, God. It made me go, oh, God, tonight. Yeah. Because they are inspirational speeches. The thing is, is... They're a little bad. Well, they are a little bad, but not only that, there's levels of of certainty here. We're at Rick levels of certainty, mm -hmm. which means, of course, this is you know, doomed to fail. Right. Well, not only that, but I think that that Ezekiel at that moment was believing his own hype. Like yeah. he had gotten to the point where he was like, these, I am going to lead my people to victory. I'm this great charismatic leader and everything's going to be awesome. And we're going to just, you know, if I can just keep everybody motivated and if I can fake it till I make it, mm -hmm. then it's going to be okay. And to some degree he's right. Okay. To some degree he has been very, very successful in mm -hmm. playing this part because people needed someone to inspire them. They needed someone right. that they could root for, someone who could lead them, someone they could they could actually feel, had an idea. It was yeah. just, it's the same mindset. We're, so we have a bunch of different parallels going on here. We've got the way that Rick leads. We've got the way Ezekiel leads. We've got the way Maggie leads. Mm -hmm. We've got the way Negan leads. And... They're all set out to do a specific thing, which mm -hmm. is to keep the people around them alive. Right. And how they do it um, varies. And you see kind of three ways that's... Well, actually, they all work. Right. <clears throat> but Ezekiel's, in many ways, is the most inspirational. Mm-hmm. And, and to some I degree... I don't know about inspirational. Maybe aspirational. Oh, yes. Actually, right I'd, I'd say both. Because, well, he inspires people. And mm -hmm. they... There's a scene that happens later where Jerry, um, Jerry is the, the, the big smiling guy with the axe, mm -hmm. where he says that he has to, you know, right. you know, I have to call you, yeah. my, you know, my king. And Cause he, yeah, because eventually, like, well, so, so Ezekiel gets out from underneath all these dead bodies and they start to animate again. And so he's like trying to crawl away, get away and... And he gets captured by... First he, first he gets rescued by one of his surviving... Oh, right. One of his surviving guys. And the guy's like, don't worry, we'll get out of this. And then he's immediately shot in the face. And then a David Koresh slash young Stephen King looking yeah. guy comes out of nowhere. All by himself. There's nobody else around this guy. Right. And this is... There's this whole heavy-handed hand of the writer sledgehammer emotional thing that happens here where basically he starts berating Ezekiel yeah and I got confused because a while back Ezekiel confessed to Carol mm -hmm. that he was in fact not a king not royalty uh, he was well duh well, no, yeah, I mean, no, no that he didn't really believe that he was right. you know but he was you know he was that's more what he confessed but it was this, it was almost like it was a confession because it wasn't like a thing that was talked about. It was not, it was like a, yeah. a, you know, not necessarily a secret, but it wasn't, you know, widely discussed. Right. And yet somehow, uh, this guy knows everything about Ezekiel. Yeah. And I was really confused. So I guess. Well, you got to remember, Tim, 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 Timbo, Tim Rooney. That Ezekiel has been 
working with the saviors, providing them with food and pigs and such, for a long time to ensure the safety of the kingdom. So I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that that the story of Ezekiel and how he kind of like runs his shit has not gotten back to a lot of people. And especially after the war started, I'm sure that you know everything that they could have pos that they possibly knew about. Um, all of the different leaders of the different groups are, are, is being disseminated. That's why they know everything about Ezekiel. He's been working with them the longest time. But if you look at it, they know, they call it the, the king, Rick, and the widow. They don't even know Maggie's name. Right. So that, you got, I, I would think that it's perfectly natural that he knows a lot about. Okay. Well, I, and I, I can see that. However, I do not see the point of having this conversation. When you are trying to help a person who has been shot in the leg and cannot walk on their own, away from this giant wall of zombies that are coming at you, right? That this is not magically. This is not the time to have that conversation. And yes, well, where are all these walkers coming from? It's hmm. like, well, because there's the giant wall, the giant cr mob of walkers that are at the sanctuary, and then there's these folks who are coming from all over the place. And there was the random walkers at the place that Rick and Daryl and all them were at the other night. There's a lot of walkers. And I realize this is the East Coast now. Because they're in Virginia, right? Mm -hmm. So I realize we're getting into some population density. But there's still an awful lot of open country over there. Right. So, and we're not in cities or anything. So, yeah, suddenly there's walkers everywhere. And they're like instant. Walker danger! Oh. Yeah. Well... So, but here's, here's this guy who's just like, you're a terrible person. You're a terrible leader. And it really, it really was weird because it felt very much like, it's like this is the episode where we are going to give Ezekiel his comeuppance for yeah. the way that he's been running his, his community for all this time. Well, and it's interesting because it was also a very personal attack. It was very much like you expected him to like sit there and go, Bob, I thought you were dead. No, I went over to the Saviors. No. <laughs> and it's like, oh, why, why, Bob, why? Well, Ezekiel, I'll tell you why. And it felt like that. What it, that's what it was. But still, it's, this is just some guy who's mm -hmm. there. And it's it was that weird thing where if it had been somebody that Ezekiel knew, you know, oh, I don't know, we just had an episode where we had someone come from the past and, yeah. and blast, you know, one of our heroes. Um, and you would think that this is the kind of speech that, we're, that comes out of that. Yeah. This isn't a total stranger going, Hi, I'm going to tell you all the things I know about the way you run your bullshit. Here's the, this, this is the reason you suck speech. And it was just weird. So he takes Ezekiel's cane sword. More than once. More than once. And because Ezekiel's been shot in the leg and he needs it to walk, so he gives him the stick and then takes the sword. And then Ezekiel takes the sword back, and then they fight, and he gets the sword back. And it's just like rah, 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 they rah. get to the gate, and Ezekiel cuts him, and then he's beating up Ezekiel. He's like, Yeah, hey, you know what? It's too bad. You could be dead. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm supposed to bring you back alive, but you know, things happen. And then as he's getting ready to, you know, kill Ezekiel, there's a giant rah noise, and he's cut in half with an axe by Jerry. And Jerry's, like, right there. And I just, you know, okay. I don't know where Jerry's been. Jerry doesn't seem to have been shot. But I'm glad to see Jerry. Yes. Jerry's a big, smiling guy who's happy. We like Jerry. We like Jerry. 
And it's Jerry, of course, is doomed because we like Jerry, therefore he's going to die. But Eventually. While he's here, we're happy to keep him alive. And I don't disagree with the idea here, okay? So I don't disagree with the idea of Ezekiel confronting the fact that he's become arrogant, that he's believing his own hype. And I don't disagree with the idea of that coming in a scene of carnage and battle yeah, because that kind he's, of when he's see. now doing something he's now become something to that is not was not his intention now he's in a situation that wasn't his intention was was you know all these people people will literally die for him right which was not what he wanted he wanted to protect people not to to put up a buffer between him and the world right but he's had this basically smashed into his face, and then, of course, this guy comes along and basically says, this is why you suck. And so Jerry's like, you know, we got to get out of here, Your Majesty. And he's like, you can't call me that. And he's like, yes, I can. And he's yeah. like, you, no, I am not Your Majesty. You can't, you know, you have to stop. And, and Jerry goes, no, you are. <laughs> I have to call you that. Because yeah. Jerry has to believe in something. Right. And Ezekiel has given his people something to believe in, someone to believe in. And this is a good thing. Right. But there it comes at a cost, which means, you know, it's it, when you are the leader of people, you're responsible for them and that's responsible for when they do well and when they fail and when they die terribly. Right. If you lead them in the battle and they die, it's kind of on you. Mhm. Which was a lot of the problem with, you know, the way that he was leading them into this battle, which was he was giving them no, like we are gonna, we, he was giving them like we are gonna make it. None of us are going. None to of die. us are gonna die. Like not even saying like, oh well, there's a possibility that this is gonna be bloody and that maybe none of not all of us are gonna go back. He was like, no, we're all gonna make it. Well, not only that, it was like we will have to kill them all. Yeah. And there was an interesting conversation that he had with Carol. She's like, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever gone like, into battle? <laughs> well, I had to fight one guy. And she's like, wait, what? Because <laughs> yeah. I know, but I've been training. I've been doing a thing. Like, it's like, you know, I'm not. He goes, I know that life requires you to make decisions and do things. He goes, you know, I know what I'm, I'm I know what I'm trying to do here. I've made decisions and I've got to go with them. And, and but I think about them. I consider them. I didn't just jump into the pen to rescue Shiva. Mm-hmm. And I had to think about it, and then I decided what I was, who, what kind of person I wanted to be, and I went and I did that. And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> no, no. I think that her reaction was more not not so much. <laughs> oh, okay. It was, well, okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> because goes, all this time, while while Ezekiel is being led to an existential crisis, Carol is inside the building, killing everyone. everyone. <laughs> well. Like, Okay, so th- that leads into the rest of that conversation yeah. because he says, "Have you? What about you? You haven't always been this way, have you? Or have you always been brave and 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 strong?" And she's like, "No, I had to make some decisions, right? Yeah. <laughs> but life made a few of them for me." Yeah, and he was like, "Okay, sure." And which I think is the that actually is going to be key. I, I hope that is going to be key for the rest of the evolution of Ezekiel as a character. Because he, that's, that is where the key difference is. Ezekiel made all his decisions. He was like, I'm going to do this mm-hmm. for this reason. I'm going to do this for this reason. I'm going to do this for this reason. Right. Carol was put in situations where she had to do certain things mm-hmm. to survive, to make it one more day, 
to, you know, whatever. And that's why she is the way she is. Even when she was going through her, I don't want to kill anymore, I don't want to become close to anyone because that means that I'll want to, I will want to protect them and want to kill for them. When she was going through all of that, that was even part of that. Right. And Ezekiel's not had to face any of that. Well, and to some degree, he's... He's had to make decisions for this group of people he's protecting. And, right. one, of the, he, and one of those decisions involved trading with mm-hmm. the saviors right. to protect his people. But a relatively small number of people died because of that decision. Right. The decision to fight back, um, the decision to basically you know, go up against this, this larger force and, and defeat them right. required... A lot more sacrifice. A lot more sacrifice. And he, I don't think he realized that how much it was going to be. I don't, yeah, I don't think he did either. So he and and Jerry are up against this gate, which they cannot get through because yeah. Jerry's like, I got the axe. And the axe is like, well, I'm broken now. Yeah. <laughs> Leverage will work. No. no. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm an axe with a wooden handle. No. Yeah. <laughs> it breaks off and, and Jerry goes, well, shit. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's all these zombies coming up behind them. So, yeah, and meanwhile, so Carol's gotten into the building, and she's gotten, actually, there's not a lot of people at this facility. There's like five or six, really. No, she sneaks in there, and they're, they have, because they have to transfer this gun, these these 50 caliber guns, to wherever they need to go next, probably going to the sanctuary, I guess. Yeah. And at first, I was like, why are they putting away the guns? What are they, are they stupid? You could use those. Oh, I see, they're going to take the guns somewhere else. Back to this, where, where all the women and children live to get clean out all those zombies that are everywhere. That's a good plan. I like yeah. that plan. So, so Carol's like, huh, okay. And so she climbs up into the ceiling so that when they're walking away with the guns, there's like machine gun fire and they all die. She just drops out of the ceiling and I'm like, yeah. die hard with zombies! Now, there's like, I guess there's like eight because she kills four right then. Right. And then later she's pinned down by four more. Mm-hmm. And she creates a situation where they all die pretty much. Right, so, except that this is another one of those scenes where it's the nitpicky moments, right? Mm-hmm. So again, if you shoot a gun, if you shoot a machine gun, uh, a car, the average car, is not a good defense against machine guns. It's right. just not. However, there was a good shot of Carol, who is crouched behind the tire, mm-hmm. the front tire. So she's got the, she's got the engine uh, in between her and the right. guns, and also the tire in between her and the guns. There's a lot of metal protecting her at this point. So, yeah. but most of this, just like the last couple episodes, we're watching people, you know, this Honda will save me. <laughs> no, it won't. Well, uh, okay. It's a fine car, so, but, you know. Yeah, so the the four or five guys that are left are loading the, the machine guns into the back of this big military vehicle. Mm-hmm. And so Carol's trying to stop them from getting out with the guns, and she, like, lets some zombies loose, and they eat a couple okay, of Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. So she sees a button, and it opens the gate. And Not the same gate Ezekiel and uh, no, Jerry no. This is this is a a gate to this courtyard that they're in, and so she's like, hey, hey guys, um, uh, can we talk?" And they're like, um, "Maybe." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Well, here's my gun, and I surrender, and I'll tell you where my friends are." And they're like, "Uh huh," <laughs> and it's like, "Hey Phil, you want to go?" Want to go take a go? Yeah, let's do it. And this poor schmuck comes over there, and, and Carol's <laughs> like, like, yeah, screw you, and grabs a knife, and she sticks it to his throat. She's like, all right, you guys, you know, throw out your guns. And he's like, 
uh, guys. And they're like, ah, oh, Phil beefed it. Light him up. <laughs> so they kill Phil. And, and Carol uses that moment to push the button. Which, and, you know, lets a couple of little zombies in and they eat a couple of little guys. Okay, so again, let me explain it. Something. There's this thing in the world called sound. You may have heard of it. What? <laughs> it's a noise. Fishaw. It's a noise things make. And we have established that not only do zombies make noise. Yeah, they kind of go. But also, if you've ever been uh, around, well, just anything with a security gate. Security gates are not quiet. You used to have one at your old apartment. I have yeah. one at my apartment. They make a lot of noise. Nobody pays attention to this. A like lot a, of noise, which like nobody a, hears. Bing, bong, bing, 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 bong, bong, no, bing. No, bad reality TV stars make those noises. Yes, that's exactly the noise that the gate makes. So the gate it makes no noise apparently at all. Because these guys are surprised by the zombies. They're like, hi guys. So they're yeah. like, zombies, where did they come from? It's like, through the open gate, you morons. He's <laughs> like, what is going yeah. on here? So the zombies attack, and they pins down to, like, two guys. And she's like, all right, um, you guys want to stop this? And you're like, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't take the guns. And he's like, well, we're going to take the guns. And she's like, you've got, like, two bullets left. And then she sees Ezekiel and Cherry trapped. Right, because she can see them through the open gate. Yeah. That she opened. Made a lot of noise. Here's something that just bumped into my head. Uh-oh. That, um... That I think is tickles me a little. Um, oh, do tell. So, uh, like here in in the Savior's community, uh-huh. they know about the widow mm-hmm. and he's, and the king and Rick are the leaders of this thing. Right, right. And they know like they need to get those guys because they are the leaders. Mm-hmm. Sure. They don't realize, and you know, yeah, probably. Negan would like to have Daryl back. Mm. Because, sure. well, you know... It's one of his things. You, they took it yeah. away from him, so... Um, what they don't know is about Carol. And they right. don't know about Carol because every time she has encountered a savior... <laughs> She's killed them. She has killed them dead. And it doesn't matter how many of them there are. That's true. Like, they know... They know... They, they ascribe deaths... People that Carol has killed to other people because they don't know. That's true. Like they said, like, <laughs> I don't, there was a, you know, didn't they say, like, oh, you killed to Rick, like, at one point you killed all my guys in the, some truck? And he's like, mm. I didn't kill the guys on the truck. <laughs> that was Carol. So they don't realize, Negan does not realize that even if he did take out Rick and Ezekiel and Maggie. Carol's still floating around. Oh, yeah, and she would, <laughs> she would die hard her way through them. And I, I was actually, I was actually, as soon as Carol came out of the ceiling, it was like, I wanted her to, like, leave a note. And, and now I have a machine gun. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Well, and I kind of liked the way she came out of the ceiling because it was very dainty. It was like the thing opened and, like, one foot came down and another foot came down. She did, like, a little hop off the thing. Well, you know, she's still very proper. She's a lady. She's still a lady. You know, she's still, if, if, if the world would allow her to wear a dress... She would wear a dress. She wore she a sweater have... vest. She yeah. likes her sweater vest. She does. Her separate, she's, her knit you separate. know, she's, she's a stylish lady. So. Oh my gosh, I still like think about at the, 
the one hundredth episode mm-hmm. panel, the thing that they they show Melissa seeing Melissa McBride like all made up with her oh, hair like great. swept back and very elegant. She's just so gorgeous. Yeah. You know, honestly, we've had a lot of bad things to say about The Walking Dead over time. I think the only time we have anything negative to say about Carol was in the early days mm-hmm. when they don't think they had really decided what they because in the comic. You know, Carol's long, long dead. Yeah, she dies at the prison, and she they, goes crazy and dies at the prison. So they took some they took some real chances with their character that I think were played out really well, and a lot of that, mm-hmm. of course, was on Melissa McBride. So she decides that she needs to go save Jerry and Ezekiel, mm-hmm. and it lets the guys load up their weapons, the big guns, and drive away. And and Ezekiel says, "You let the guns get away." And she's like, there's nothing we can do about that right now. And then, then she hears uh, the sound of a motorcycle in distance. And she said, the guns didn't get away. Because <laughs> there is only one motorcycle left in the world. And Daryl drives it. Rides it. Yes. And this is completely not true. So it could have been somebody else. It would have been really embarrassing if it somebody no, else. Paul said, hi. Hi, I'm, I'm Bob. Who the hell are you, Bob? Who the hell is Bob? I'm a savior. <laughs> and I have a motorcycle. Yeah. So, but it's not uh, uh, Bob the savior. It's Daryl on the motorcycle yes. and Rick in the Jeep. And they are tearing after the guy. And here we have one of those scenes that you would expect to be out of a Tom Cruise movie or mm-hmm. something where the bad guys have superior firepower and can't hit shit. Mm-hmm. And the the good guys have faster vehicles, I guess is what they're uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, again, if you are if you ever have the, it looks really cool to have a car chase and a motorcycle chase where people are shooting at each other, but it's really hard to shoot a, hit a moving target. Period, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to hit a moving target if you are also a moving target, and it's really hard to miss a moving target. If you are sitting in an army vehicle, in a flatbed, with a fifty caliber machine gun, and you are relatively steady, the road is smooth, and the guys behind you aren't dodging at all. <laughs> They're like, uh, boot, t- swerve, turn, no. Serpentine, okay. serpentine. And it's like, why aren't, they, why aren't our heroes dead? Because these guys should have, should have killed them. And They're not shooting high enough. I noticed, I you know, guess. they were shooting, like, trying to take out tires and... The stormtrooper targeting here, right? Really bad. So after this amazing action piece, which is was really it cool was really to watch. cool, and Dale gets knocked off the motorcycle, and then Rick's car gets shot, uh, and Rick's car somehow survives getting shot in the engine the block. Healing factor, and he swerves away, and suddenly Daryl is right behind him, and he shoots, and somehow manages to hit the savior on the kills the one with the machine gun, and Dar- and then Rick's car. Which has healed itself because it catches up to the other one. Things, and he jumps into the car with the savior, and he's like, "Hi there." <laughs> the guy's like, "Ah!" Rick's like, "This is my knife," and he stabs him a little bit and kicks him out, and then the car promptly goes off a road into a ditch, and I'm like, "Nobody gets the guns now." They're just down in a culvert, and so Daryl comes up and he stands there. You hear, you hear, hey. And Rick comes crawling up. Now he's standing there looking down there. Daryl's like, man, you look like shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, Let's go Rick, see if that guy's alive. <laughs> it's 
Their heroes are being banter. It's, yeah. It's... So meanwhile, Ezekiel and Jerry and Carol are wandering through the woods. Okay. So again, you pointed out this a couple of couple of times over the last several episodes, but you, it was very clear tonight. So they were at a compound, right? Yes. Okay. And at that compound, were there not, in fact, doors? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were gates, even. Yeah. Were there not? And then there was a door that clearly had power because Carol pushed a button and it opened. Right. Right? And so that's a space you can secure, you would say. Yes? Would you mm-hmm. agree with that? Right. So when you are being faced with a horde of zombie-like creatures, say, and they are coming at you from all directions. You can't, you can't see me nodding. Yeah, he's nodding. Would you not say that uh, a place that you could actually close the doors behind you and mm-hmm. keep things out would not be a bad idea? Right. Um, let's just up the ante a little bit. Oh, sure. By all means. Um, let's say you're in this place where you can close doors and windows mm-hmm. and, like, right. you know, pull down drapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that place is also just, just full of military weaponry. Just, just so full. There were several boxes stacks of that stuff and stacks there. Yes. and stacks. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. Weapons. Sure. Sure. Also in this place mm-hmm. are non-shot-up trucks. Oh, hey, those would be useful. I think so. In fact, if you were wounded, you would actually I want, want to put someone in a vehicle. I'd want one of those non-shot-up trucks because you could get where you're going with medical help quicker, wouldn't you say? I'd say so. Our heroes do not do this. No. They go off into the woods for reasons of a kind. Well, they're the only reason I can come up with is two reasons, actually. One is so you can see where these... We've seen these melted walkers the last few episodes. We found out where they came from. It's the barrel from um, Night of the Living Dead. It <laughs> made its way into the Walking Dead universe. It has to be an homage. It does, because it's like clearly it's, it's this hazardous material on it. It's a big oil drum, and the zombies are all, like, warped and melty and squishy and gross. Yeah. And, and Ezekiel's like, I'm not going down there in this. Just yeah. leave me to die. And they're like, shut up. Shut up. We're going. <laughs> and, and so the, wa- the walkers attack them down there, and then Shiva jumps in and saves So we them. don't know where Shiva's been this entire time. And what really worries me is that the last time we saw Shiva... Ezekiel handed the chain to some other dude and was like, right. wait right here. Yeah, so... <laughs> oh, and I brought this up while we were watching, and this is something that's always always semi-irritated me about just the idea, the concept of Shiva. Um, Bengal tigers are solitary creatures. Mm-hmm. They do not live... Like, a, one Bengal tiger can have a, an area... A, a, of over a hundred square miles that's just theirs. Mm. When it's time for them to mate, they will seek each other out. But as soon as the mating is done, they will go their separate ways. And as soon as the cubs are old enough, the mother tiger leaves them. Mm-hmm. And the tiger cubs go off on, they might stay together for a couple of days, but then they go off on their own in their own directions as well. It is an animal that is not instinctually prepared for pack behavior at all. Like if it were, if if Shiva were a timber wolf or even a lion, mm-hmm. I would I would be more on board with her, but by just hanging out with all these humans. Mm-hmm. 
Because because at least those animals understand a pack mentality or a pride mentality so that she would have seen herself, her place in this hierarchy and joined it mm-hmm. even on an instinctual level. But, but as a Bengal tiger, she has no concept of this. Well, not only that, this is an animal who has not, was been in cap- captivity because it was, she was a zoo animal. But she's not actually been raised to be a domesticated animal. Yeah, she's not a show tiger. This is not... So, uh, Siegfried and Roy, uh, mm-hmm. one of them, I can't remember which one, got, got mauled by one of their tigers. Right. Which they raised from cubs. Yeah. And so if these people who professionally do this all the time, who are able to raise these cats, who've been the, part of the cat's environment, who've been basically cat... the fam, They have literally been a family environment. Mm-hmm. A pack environment, a pride environment, and they still get mauled because, by the way, large cats are very dangerous animals. Mm. So it's it's really cool that Ezekiel's got a tiger, and it's a great visual, but it also doesn't make a damn bit of sense. No, and so tiger from the sky and zombies and eating the fighting the zombies and the zombies are all like eat the tiger and the tiger's like okay just eat me. She doesn't. Get out of the way or anything, and mm-hmm. Ezekiel's like, "No." Well, that's how Shiva dies in the comic, and I could be wrong because it's been a while since I've read it. But I thought she died later in the arc. Um, Ezekiel gets another kick in the gut, mm-hmm. one more boot in the face. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a really good job on giving Ezekiel some comeuppance this week. They instead of going to the compound and you know barricading themselves inside, picking up some guns. Driving, you know, back to... Waiting for Rick and Daryl to come back by. They decide to walk back to the kingdom, which apparently is within walking distance. They're all within... We've talked about this. And they're not only within walking distance, the Ezekiel, who has had difficulty walking throughout the entire episode because he's got shot in the leg, somehow manages to walk back. And as they are walking into the kingdom... Carol and Jerry are walking in front, and behind them is Ezekiel limping along, and it's like, Jerry, just pick the man up. And everyone looks around and goes, didn't a lot of other people go yeah, with you guys? So like, depending on the, the angle of the shot, didn't we send like 20 to 50 people with you? <laughs> and this little boy who... Ezekiel had an inspirational thing to say to you. No, right? that's that's little Billy's brother. Oh, that's right. And he's like, so what is going on? And Ezekiel's like, I'll wait, kid. And like <laughs> pushes him to the ground. and Not quite, but close. I mean, he's just like... Uh, and it's a really symbolic scene. And it just made me angry. It's just such a... It's such a well, now we're going to go through with Ezekiel what we have gone through with at least ten other characters on this show. Yeah. And that, I think, is the worst problem that The Walking Dead has, is that it recycles this exact same storyline of... Pride goes before the fall. Pride goes before the fall. Am I really this person? Do I really want to do this thing right now? Right now. And they did it with Rick probably six times. 
They've done it with Carol. Oh, they've Rick done it with Morgan. season with Rick. Yeah. They do it with Carol. They've done it with Morgan. They did it with uh, Tyrese. Daryl had a minute of it after Beth died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Sasha. Yeah. I think, ultimately, with some of these characters, when you when you build them up like this, you're going... To, it's, it's very, very... It makes sense in terms of storytelling to give them the... the the fall after the rise right. so high, right? But at the same time, we don't have time for this shit. Again. You know, conversations you should have had, things you should have thought about. There should have been a discussion at some point where Rick and Maggie looked at, at Ezekiel and said, you do realize that they have guns too, right? We're all, we're all putting ourselves in danger, buddy. There's a chance all of us could die, mm-hmm. and maybe. Well, perhaps... no. Rick says that in the in his part of the inspirational speech, the very beginning of the season. Even if we all die, we we have won because we've stood up. Yeah, but Ezekiel then turns around and says, "None of us will die. We will defeat the enemy. There will not be a single casualty. We are the promised people who will deliver the world from evil." That's and... good, Ezekiel. Thank you. Um, and it was as, actually it was better than a couple of the speeches we got today, I think, frankly. <laughs> it's not written well. It's disappointing. Um, this was, this was an episode that was a character episode. Obviously it's meant to advance Ezekiel's character. It's meant to give us a cool Die Hard with Carol sequence, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, it's not that it's a terrible, terrible episode. Ah, it's just, if I were one of those people that rated stuff, I would probably give it a B minus. Yeah. The problem is is that the things that involve giving it the B minus are all these dumb things. Yeah, beats <laughs> we've seen a thousand times before yeah. with a thousand different characters. And I feel like we should be past that point. Even if we wanted to do something to like to give Ezekiel a a fall, it shouldn't have been the exact same fall we've seen. Seven, eight times before with seven, eight different people. And I think I would be bothered less, even if it was the same fall, if we didn't try to do all in one episode. Right. Or if we didn't know exactly how it was going to go. Right. Oh, yeah. Because like, it's going to be, I don't want to be king anymore. I can't be king anymore. Let all these people to their deaths. And he that might last for one or two episodes before he... Takes back up his mantle of leadership. You heard it here first, folks. No, it's a, it is what's going to happen. It's 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 predictable, mm-hmm. and that's not what we want. Anyway, um, next week it's back to the sanctuary, and Gabriel and, and Gabriel Negan, and Negan will be will be grooming ponies. Yes, for, it's, for it's, their for their new business venture where they sell teacup ponies to really rich housewives as as, as head pets. I don't. I They're don't gonna groom think the ponies. That's what I all, saw in the trailer for an hour. It's gonna be Negan. It is gonna be the odd couple episode. Negan and, and Gabriel. This one's name is Gumdrop. This one's name is Tallulah. This one's name is Mister Bigabattles. I actually want to see the two of them do this now. Um, but inside the sanctuary, because there, of course, Negan and Gabriel are trapped in a trailer outside. Inside right. the sanctuary, uh, surrounded by all the walkers, is, are Negan's lieutenants, and they're they, all awful people. And they're all awful people. And they are, in fact, suspicious. Someone has set us up. Someone has led us to this place. 
someone had to let Rick know. Dun, dun, dun. And Dwight's over there going, What? Who, I, who? Who, would, who would possibly do that? I don't know. It wouldn't have been me. Dun, dun, dun. So basically we're getting um, an Agatha Christie story just in time for Murder on the Orient Express. Oh. I think it's a tie-in. No, it's not. Um, but it could be fun. Is it is it bad of me that I do not want to see more Murder on the Orient Express just because Johnny Depp is in it? Um, no, I want to see it though because the rest of the cast is really cool. I'm a Kenneth, I'm a Kenneth Branagh fan. I'm really glad that Michelle Pfeiffer is working again. Oh, she's a fantastic actress. She is, and talk about like powerful. Like I don't think that the people that that came, the generations that came after the '80s, understand what it is like to have some of the role models that we had in the '80s and early '90s. Some of the you know strong female characters and actresses like you know i i'm of the generation that watched angela bassett in a bustier negligee torch someone's car the man who had wronged her (laughs) and waiting to exhale right that's power that's powerful and michelle pfeiffer really represents a lot of that to me like you know there was the the 80s saw a huge change in the kind of let's see course Starting in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. So you had your Godfathers and your Star Warses. But your 80s and 90s, early 90s, saw this huge resurgence of the movie star. Mm-hmm. And some of them were incredibly talented. Some of them were just personalities. I mean, you look at Stallone, um, who's actually a really fine actor. Yeah. But was, I mean, Copland. He's so good in Copland. He wrote several movies. Yes. Um, He's a talented writer. He won an Oscar. Yes. But there was also uh, some folks who were really just amazing actors. Al Pacino, of course, came really big in the 70s, late 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, but Michelle Pfeiffer, just for, for decades now, has been a fantastic actress. She took some time off. Yeah. So, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> anyway. So there's our digression for the week. Um, thank you for listening. Yeah. So thank you for listening to our show. It's on Apocalypse Now here on Sci-Fi For Me Radio. And podcast.com and iTunes and all the different places. Uh, find us on Facebook. It's on Apocalypse Now Podcast. Right. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. We'll be back next week with more Zompocalypse Now. And, and ponies. Ponies? Okay. This one's gumdrop. <laughs> this, one's, this one's sweet potato. Mm-hmm. And this one's, this one's lobster tops. <laughs> this one's. Save us, voice of Tom Kane. Apple, apple, apple pants. You have to say it that way. Apple, apple, apple pants. Or she won't come. This has been a presentation of HorrorForMe.com. Copyright 2017 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Horror For Me Radio. (laughs) 